What's up, everybody? This is Trey from Black in My City. Thank you all for coming back. Uh, today's guest is Dr. Donna Drury. Hey, Dr. Drury, how are you doing today? I am well, thank you. I, my voice is a little funny. I'm recovering from the old-fashioned flu. Uh, but <laughs> but I am on the mend, so I'm I'm grateful and thankful for that. Thank you for having me today. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. All right. So my first question for you is, uh, let people know who you are and what you've done for the community. All right. A as you stated, my name is uh, Donna Drury, Dr. Donna Drury. I am uh, or consider myself an anomaly. Uh, because I am a third generation Bryan Knight. I'm a citizen of Bryan. I'm a BISD graduate. I'm a twice graduate of Texas A&M University. Uh, I received my bachelor's of arts in English from Texas A&M, my master's degree from Sam Houston, and then came back to Texas A&M for my PhD, um, graduating in 2021. I'm also a local uh, business owner, uh, for uh, about 47 years, my family has been in business in Bryan, uh, Bryan area. So let me tell you one more thing, I, a couple more things. I've also served as a high school English teacher uh, teaching uh, at Bryan High School and a middle school administrator. So I have about 15 years of education uh, in Bryan ISD. I continue to work in education through uh, with Texas A&M University with the A-plus grant, A-plus being an acronym for Project Acceleration, I'm sorry, Project Accelerated Preparation of Leaders for Underserved Schools, which was a three-year, I think it was $13.9 million project funded through the Supporting Effective Educator Development, or SEED grant, through the federal government. So I've always worked in the community um, in regard to tutoring children, assisting their course decisions, getting kids to college and high school. So I will tell you that once I finished my doctoral degree, I said, and I knew that I wanted to re-step out and help the community in larger ways as possible. Um, so with that, I'm involved in the FIST Collaborative, which is an acronym for focusing on increasing success together. Um, that was started by Natlin and Quentin Samuels, along with other dynamic uh, community members, including like the chief of police, members of Bryan ISD, along with other community members. Um, I also work with Culturally Rooted Enterprise, which is a group of like-minded business owners and our goal is to help um, other business owners who are people of color uh, grow their business, expand their uh, footprint, so to speak. And of course, we've held pop-up shops and vendor events for those individuals to showcase their products and to sell their goods. So that's, that's a little bit about me. That's amazing. That's amazing. All right. Well, I uh, guess. Yes. As well, stay on the education part. My second question is, what made you want to become an educator and why do you think it's so important? So I've always thought education uh, was and is important. There is a saying that says, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. But if you teach a man the fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. 
So I think that education is the way up and the way out. Um, for example, I believe that education is uh, the pathway or the gateway that leads to success. Um, without a college education, which I'm promoting, I'm pushing, um, because I believe it is the way out of poverty. So just think about this. If you have started a job and you make $7.25 an hour, 40 hours a week, that's about $290 a week. If you times that, that's about $1,150 before taxes, right? So individuals take home less than $1,000 a month after taxes. That's not a livable wage. We all know that. And that $1,000 is about $12,000 at the end of the year, which is even below the poverty line. Um, however, the more the education increases, the higher the income rises. So even if, for example, if you have an associate degree in business, your income automatically goes up to about $56,000 per year, which is $29 an hour now. With the bachelor's degree, it goes up to $64,000. And then with a doctorate degree, that same uh, income for um, a degree, it can rise to 100000 and more. So if you think about getting out of the poverty line and just doing the math, you affect not only your family, your, yourself, you affect your community. You can buy better vehicles, you get better housing, better food you get better health care. So everything increases exponentially the more education one has. So that's why education is important to me because I think kids especially don't realize that and they don't do the math. So that's what our goal is like to get it, getting kids uh, to college mm -hmm. through high school and into college. Yeah, my mom was an educator as well. I guess the school part kind of skipped me, but I've always been interested in like uh, continuing my learning, like especially among like, um, I guess black achievements and black downfalls in America. I always was quick to Google something and be like, dang, I didn't know about that. Like uh, I yeah. taught myself about Black Wall Street and I think I was maybe like 22 or 23. And I just dug real deep into it one day and like looked at all the families who were affected by it. Um, how severe it was. And then that led me to look on to things like Sarasota and I want to say Wilmington, North Carolina. Yes. And I just continue educating myself on stuff like that. So yeah, I'm very big on education too. I don't have the paper to prove it, but I, I always tell people Google and YouTube will show you some amazing things that you'll never know. So, so I'm, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to act like your mom. You got to get that paper to prove it. <laughs> Because I will tell you a lot of times, if you don't have the paper, yes, you can't sit at the table. Yes, I'll, I'll, you I'll, know. Yes, ma'am. All right, that that's my <laughs> giving yeah. the man a fish. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, I, I do plan on taking a class for a certification at AM if everything works out this uh, mm. fall. 
Well, I'm gonna tell you, if you need any assistance, I, I try to help uh, students make that decision or young adults, you know, that wanna go to college and that kind of thing. So we've had some successes. We've had some people to already graduate, um, you know, and, and that we've assisted and, and uh, so it's exciting. So I'm trying to back it up and help uh, young people take the right classes that they need to take in order to get to the next level. Yeah. Well, see how I'm feeling after the fall if I do take this class and I might be hitting come you on, up. Come on in the room. It's plenty <laughs> of room. It's plenty of room. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> uh, my third uh, question for you is, with your recent school board appearance during a BISD school board meeting, why do you believe some ISDs have such a hard time hiring Black educators? Ooh. Well, I'm going to say this, Dr. Martin Luther King said, the time is always right to do what is right. Mm -hmm. So I think for Brian ISD, I'm going to use that for an example. They have 80% of students of color, and yet those at the top and in leadership positions do not mirror those statistics. I think we have about five or six people of color in school leadership positions and probably one or two individuals at the top in central office. So we all know and recognize that that needs to change. But as for the question, I really don't think that ISDs have a hard time per se hiring uh, black educators. I believe it's a choice, right? That they're making, I really do because we've seen a multiplicity of individuals who have either applied to school districts and they've just simply not been hired. They've not been given an interview. So I've seen that happen over and over. Um, and then we've seen these same individuals take leadership positions in other uh, schools and other states. And not only that, they get the top awards and accolades at the end of the year. So I think bringing it back full circle, I don't think it's hard for them to do that. I don't think it's hard for them to find individuals either. Um, it is where you look. And if you look in certain places, you'll get certain things, right? Yes, so, you know, a Texas A&M is a wonderful place. Um, but the majority of teachers coming in are Caucasian. Mm -hmm. If you go to Prairie View, they have a teacher program. Mm -hmm. If you go to other uh, places and recruit, people want to come. And so um, there was a program last night that they talked about. Uh, there's a partnership with, with uh, Texas A&M and Sam Houston. Listen, in this program, in this program, they um, pay the teachers a stipend to teach while they are in their um, while they are in their last year of, of actual college, they mm -hmm. come and they do their internship, so to speak. But they pay them a stipend to do that. They get a record of service their first year that counts because typically it don't until you become a teacher of record, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then there, um, it was one more thing that happens to them, so. Uh, while I think about that third thing, 
So as I'm thinking about that, in the audience was a Black parent who had a daughter who's in teaching at Sam Houston and had never heard about this program, mm. had never heard about it. And she came out to talk to us. She said, I have so many questions. I've never heard this. Where is this and who should she talk to? And so I sent her the information today. This is the person that you should talk to um, because when they showed the picture, not one person looked like her daughter. I would say that not one person in the picture and it's a wonderful program, but if we don't hear it and if they don't tell us about it, how do we know? So it's definitely not hard, but everything is a choice and, and everything leads to me leads to opportunity. So they need to take the opportunities to find those people who are right there at the colleges that they can include in those types of programs. I get a little passionate about this, so <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm passionate. Yeah. No, yeah, I got you as you should, as you should. Because I get a little passionate about it. Diversity matters, and you know, when you can see somebody that look like you teaching you, is it's a little different. Because I went to a school in Houston where majority of our teachers. I went to an all black school, not an all black, but a majority black school in Houston, Spring ISD, Decaney High School, where majority of our teachers were black and. They give you a different vibe when you had that teacher, you that look, and you're like, oh, that's the same look my mama gave me. Oh, exactly. I might want to tighten up right now. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so so. I definitely think that that does influence how you're, you know, being taught, and especially when you have teachers who've experienced some of the same things you've experienced, just because they deal with some things you've dealt with, they can uh, relate to you a lot easier. So I feel like it, it builds confidence as well. So I do agree right. that that's something that is necessary in school. And that and that's not to say that other teachers cannot do that because I, mm -hmm. you know, as an administrator uh, for 11 years, I've certainly seen some teachers, uh, Caucasian teachers, Hispanic teachers who know how to give that look, yeah. right? Yeah. Who know how to say, you know, yeah, that sounds good, but let's go to work. Mm -hmm. You know, I've known some teachers who can do that. So it okay. is a matter of, I think, training. It is a matter of commitment. And it is a matter of education because regardless of whether that student likes the teacher or not, they still need to do the work. Yes, that part is what gets them to the next level. Agreed, agreed. All right, my fourth question is still on about education. Uh, it's with many attacks on public school currently in discussion, what efforts do you believe not allowing immigrants free education, um, talking about CRT and tax dollars possibly being able to fund school choice where we will go to private schools over public schools in the future having on effect on families in BCS? Sir, you put a lot in that question. I did. <laughs> you put a lot into that <laughs> question. It's a very loaded question and it's heavy. Yes, there's, there's a plethora, if you will, of answers. So I think no one answer will be the True. only correct answer, right? I've broken that down to like three questions. Yeah. So, so I'm going to use this scenario to, to answer the first one, um, allowing immigrants a free education. So um, this is what I'm thinking. You have a company because this, so let me back up. 
individuals come over undocumented, right? And their goal is to get a job. A company will hire them or a company mm -hmm. hires them. They bring over their family. Everybody's undocumented. But who is the one that's truly at fault there? Is it the immigrant and his family or is it the company that hired company. them? Okay, so that in itself, so okay, if the company, you know, you got, you're working well, you're doing this and that, then to me, the company ought to provide the resources and the information for that person to become documented, right? Or one penalized. Exactly, instead of being penalized. So then if you, if you take a step back and you do that, because I work, with people all over the country, mm -hmm. uh, everywhere, and they come in and they get their education, they don't want to go back home, the majority mm -hmm. of them. They don't want to go back home to whatever, Costa Rica, Egypt, wherever. They want to stay here in America. So they get their visa, right, to stay here. Yeah. And it's streamlined in a lot of cases. So why not provide that same thing to those undocumented workers? So what happens once they become documented, they're on the tax rolls. Their kids are able to get an education. They're paying into the system, right? The local taxes, state taxes, and so on and so forth. They're not a burden to the system. So everybody in the community shares equally with what's going on within the city. So that's why I think it needs to start. If they hire them, there ought to be a responsibility. It shouldn't like continue for, and then let's catch them and send them back home at some point when they put in 10, 15, 20 years on the job, right? And nobody tried to help them. So I think that to me goes back to, let's look at the uh, feasibility and the financial um, piece of getting them, getting them where they need to be, yeah. right? I have several uh, close friends of mine who, uh, who are from other countries and they have their visas, you know, and they have their, uh, so that they can stay in the country and work and do what they need to do. Why not provide it to other people as well? So like I said, you got a variability uh, of answers I don't know if that's the correct one, but it it seems logical to me. Yeah, I agree. You, you know, it seems I logical. Whoo, critical race theory, <laughs> ERT. Um, you know what? I think that a lot of people are talking about it, but not a lot of people know exactly what it is. Yes, ma'am. And before you fully answer, can I ask you a question about it? Absolutely. Quick? Have you ever taken a class on CRT before? I have, so my dissertation, one of my theoretical frameworks is critical race theory. Okay. Okay. And so that was for your doctorate? Yes. Okay. So yes. I took you to go to school for that long to talk about CRT. Not necessarily. So you have to, whatever you build your work on, you have to mm -hmm. have theoretical framework, uh, frameworks, like that's your house, right? Mm -hmm. That's your frame of your house. And so whatever I'm talking about in my dissertation was navigating uh, charter school, uh, school choice. Mm. So it was uh, uh, charter schools uh, that parents had chosen, parents of color 
had chosen for their children's education. So within that, my theoretical framework, of course, was CRT. One of them was CRT. And so I looked at that because you have five tenets of CRT. And, and if I can backpedal, critical race theory, when I taught it to one of my classes and we talked about it, mm-hmm. what I explained to them is, number one, it's not a bad word. It's not a bad word. What it is, is thinking critically about race in America and around the country. Mm-hmm. The opportunity to think critically about that. Um, it's, 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 it's a social movement, but it started in the legal field mm-hmm. and it came over into education. And I think um, it's talking about uh, challenging. That's where the problem come in is that it does challenge mainstream American civil uh, liberal approaches to racial justice. That's where the problem comes in. And some people say, well, it makes the kids feel bad. <laughs> um, others have been feeling pretty bad for years. Amen. Yes, ma'am. You know, other people have been feeling, but it's also the truth about what has happened. Like you talked about reading and studying um, the Wall Street, Black yes, Wall ma'am. Street, Tulsa, all of those other places that happened. Why don't we learn about that in our history class? You know, who, who does it make feel bad about learning about that? I have adults who said, I never knew that. I never knew that. And, and so it's not discussed, um, but it's talking about being thinking critically about those things um, that have happened in American society, that have happened to people of color, to marginalized people uh, in, in ways that they often have a negative outcome or the most negative outcome. So it's five tenets. One of those is counter storytelling. So I think about the lion when it says, the lion says, you know, they're hunting the lion and you tell the story from the perspective of the hunter. Mm-hmm. But the lion says, one day I'm going to be able to tell this story in my own voice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be able to tell it the way that I see it. I think there's a children's book about the story of uh, the wolf. And it's told instead of the perspective of the three little pigs, okay, it's yeah. told from the perspective of the wolf. And he says, I was just out for a walk, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the counter storytelling. We've heard the narrative for so long from one perspective, especially in our PK through 12th education. Mm -hmm. We've heard it a long time from one perspective. But in counter storytelling, it gives an opportunity for individuals to tell the story from their own perspective. Um, and that's something that many of our ancestors were unable to tell or record even their own stories from their perspective. So, um, you know, you can go into standpoint theory and how, you know, um, 
that talks about the way that I view things is 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 from my point of view. So that that part. But a lot of people talking about CRT, they don't even know what it is. But it but it's hyped up to mean it's going to make your kids feel bad. It's going it's race is reverse racism. It's all of these things that it's not. We have to and we want young people, uh, all people really, to think critically about law, about justice, about education, uh, you know, uh, exposure to different things that have happened in this society and ways that we can work together and turn those things around. So that, that's what I think about CRT. Yes, ma'am. And so I guess I had a third part of that question. Uh, school mm. choice. How do you feel about school choice? So, I, as I said, that was what my dissertation was on. Yeah, I noticed that. That was dope. That it all yes. went together. <laughs> so, so, this is what I have come to realize. And I, I want to say this. I initially started out with my dissertation as being against school choice. Mm -hmm. I really was, I was reading all the books about how uh, school choice uh, takes money from education, how it does this and that. But as I got into even more researching, I said, why don't we have school choice? Because if you consider, um, Sometimes public education is a gateway to keep people out. And by that, I mean, you can only go to this school that you're zoned for, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're zoned for a bad school, your neighborhood's bad per se, you're in a bad school district, you, you don't excel, you don't know how to spell, you don't know how to do multiplication, all of those things, and then you try to go to the middle and high school, you're already behind, mm -hmm. right? So what I've seen from the parents is that they said, um, I knew they wasn't going back to that school. I don't know where I was gonna take them, but I knew, and I couldn't afford private school, but I needed to have a place for my child. Mm -hmm. I had one parent whose son was gifted and they had put so much pressure, according to her, on him taking the star test that he just meltdown. Mm. It would take him all day long to finish that test because he was so afraid of getting anything wrong. She saw the danger uh, and the effect that this happened to a child and she went looking for somewhere else to take her child. Um, her child went to one of the uh, uh, schools here locally, uh, doing well. Uh, he's a huge kid, big kid, um, but he doesn't play football. He doesn't play sports. He's not interested in sports, which is mm -hmm. okay and good. Yes, it is. Yes, he's it is. interested in technology. He's interested. And so his school saw that and began to send him technology programs right here even summer school summer programs at texas a m and other places i believe he's close to graduating 
I believe he got uh, selected for Brian Collegiate because she said in the eighth grade, she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I want to know. So I told her about Brian Collegiate. He got in mm -hmm. um, and, and is close to graduating. I had another student. Her son was in uh, pre-K and um, he got lost on the bus twice. He was in pre-K. Where was his teacher? And the moms, and then at the end of the year, they said he needed to repeat pre-K. Mm -hmm. And she said, I was there all the time. Nobody ever told me he needed help. I was there all the time. And so she said at the end of the year, she didn't know where she was going, but she knew she wasn't going back to that school. So, it, so school becomes or can become a gateway or a gate opener. And if you have school choice, it's an opportunity that maybe that child didn't fit in at A, or maybe they fit in better at B. Mm -hmm. And they should have a choice, not based on their zip code, but they should have a choice on where they can get the best schooling that they desire for their children. And the last thing, or maybe one of the things I would say about that is a lot of times when it's people of color, it's often uh, making a decision about education is often seen as a deficit perspective. Whereas when other parents of other races make decisions about their children's education, it is like, oh, you're so involved and, and it's <laughs> celebrated. Well, we need to be celebrated too. Yeah. Their parents that are making decisions, whatever they are, and choices for their children's education should be made to feel that they're doing the right thing and not that they're doing the wrong thing. That's so I think, yes, yeah, school choice is necessary. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I um, looked at a couple of models up because I'm still on the fence about it. I don't know which side I lean on it uh, more because I know down here, like, we don't have many choices of, like, we have what um we have we have tons of private schools but as far as charter schools i think we got uh il and i can't think of the other one off of texas we have right il in, uh international Char leadership we have harmony yes harmony um there's another school i can't think of the name of it but they've been in and then we have sos and there's another school i can't it, the name escapes me um, and we have that one as well, and and uh, SOS. Yeah, but um, I was in, I was in Houston this past couple of weekends for my birthday, and um, we stay like we stay in Greensport in Houston. My mom, when she died, she left us me and my sister a house in Greensport, so I go visit occasionally. And like right around the corner uh, from Ella is uh, um, a charter school, and they all build up, build a nice. I, I think right now it's probably like sixth through eighth grade maybe, but there are notice they're building a ninth and up part to that school as well. And I was like, that's dope. Cause you know, it's a lot of, you know, underprivileged kids who live in that area. So the fact that the parents are allowed to just go right around the corner and take their kids there instead of forcing them to go to public school is I think a great opportunity because they can choose which school they want their kids to go to. Like, mm -hmm. hey, either we try the public route or, you know, the public route ain't working for us now, we can go to charter and see exactly. how you excel there. So. That's the plus thing I have about it. But my minus thing is like for towns who don't have those options, like in, uh, it's like, you know, the rich kids are sending all their kids to these private schools. So they'll be sending all their funds to the private schools. 
like the public schools will get worse and worse. You know, I've been to some schools where we were, I was probably like maybe 06, but we're still reading textbooks from the 90s and stuff. Right. And it's like, dang, like, why we got these old books when, you know, other people in the next district over, you, they got newer books than we got. So that's why right. I'm still like on the fence about it. Right. I know of, in, in my study also, there was a parent whose child was on the waiting list for a um, charter school. Mm-hmm. And had been and and had been on there a while, and she uh, found out that there was an opening here at uh, at the charter school, one of the charter schools. She sold her business wow. and moved here so that her children can go here because wow. she had been on the waiting list so long. That's a big step. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's a big step. And and took a job, I think, as a daycare worker just so her, her daughters could attend school here. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you you see uh people are making some extreme choices, um, you know, to for choice. For choice and and, and to ensure that their children get a, a education. So interestingly, interestingly, um, in the data that I have seen, charter schools are becoming more segregated, if you will, with Black and Latinx, though. And so in, in, in the national data shows that, that uh, uh, Black and Latinx parents are opting out of the neighborhood public schools mm-hmm. and choosing charter schools. Um, and it's not because of race. It is education was the number one reason that they were opting out and choosing charter schools. So they hadn't really looked around, I guess, to see there are more and more children and students that look like their children Mm-hmm. But they were there because of education. They're like, I don't, if they make friends, that's good. If not, that's good. I'm here for the education. Yeah. You know, and they were very adamant about that. Um, um, you know, I asked them to rank what they considered most important. And there was like uh, eight different things like education, safety, uh, language, the teachers, friends, you know, race was and and invariably they would rank it and race an eight out of ten race was the last or next to the last one mm. so only two only two responses said six out of eight only two responses said uh race was last or next to last mm. it was either education or safety wow yeah that's big that's big yeah going to those inner city schools i know now that I'm older, like when I was that age, I never thought about it. Now that I'm older, if I ever had kids in like middle school, high school, safety would definitely be like one of my main concerns because I've seen Absolutely. so many people come to school with different weapons and it's like, dang, you got that in school? And so yeah, now hearing about all this stuff, yeah, I would definitely feel more safe or I'll feel a lot better if my child was placed in a charter school versus a public school. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's a choice, you know, that, but I think, I think people should have that choice. And like I said, you know, my answers may not be the right one, but it's, you asked me what I think. Mm 
Yes, ma'am. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I want and to. And I think you're right. And and uh, so I mean, I I was I was anti-charter for a <laughs> long time, but I said, why can't we have both yeah. and do what works for parents and students? Yeah. Why can't we have both? You're right. Yeah. You're right. Make, it'll make it should make it healthier. Make public schools want to step up a notch. So you right. know, if they want right. those kids back, do something to get those kids back. Right. Or either you know promote what they have. You know, because mm -hmm. they have some of the same things, but it's not as promoted uh, as a public school. I mean, as a charter school does um with their slick flyers you know mm -hmm. their smooth yeah. flyers and wording and free computers to every child technology all that. <laughs> right and public schools have that too but yes. it's not as promoted as much i think they're just entitled they feel like everybody's supposed to come to their school because you stay in that city yeah like oh, you yeah. don't have a choice but people do have a choice now it's a new era yeah. all right my next question for you is what do you think we need to do to become a stronger black community? That's a very good question. And I have really been thinking about that um, because for the, for the first time in a long time, we have so many people working in the community. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we had uh, last summer, for example, we had a uh, school supply giveaway, shoe giveaway, mm -hmm. backpack giveaway, clothes giveaway. We had all of these things like every weekend you could go and, and just get stuff. Yes, you know, the school, the, the group, different groups had so much. And I was thinking about that and you might have read that I said, why can't we come together though mm -hmm. and have a giving day you know like one day where the person that gave away school uh shoes this is their day to do that they have their list of students that they're giving shoes to um at the same place you got the backpack giveaway you got the school supplies you got uh, people doing hearing and vision testing mm -hmm. have a day set aside for that and, and that way, because you have some people that uh, I talked to that was upset and they're like, well, these people just went to this one, that one, and that one. And they didn't, you know, and they had stacks of stuff, yeah. you know, whereas, um, so uh, it, but having a giving day, I'm just giving it a name, having a giving day or community day, whatever we want to call it, if everybody that gave away and that worked within the community just set up their booth in the gym or something and we all work together on that day you know no big eyes no little use no mm -hmm. just everybody helping i think that would benefit the community a lot um i think that that would certainly um for those people that say they got this and got that and double and triple dipped it would it would stop that mm -hmm. but it would also be a benefit to everybody in the community to say we're all working together we're all collaborating and okay. we're all making sure that every single student in in the community had what they needed to start school 
also we would say that we're invested in every single every single child in the community. We're invested in their education. I know iHeartBrian uh, is uh, doing a mentorship for students. They could have a sign-up sheet where to match kids with mentors. Mm -hmm. They could have a booth. Um, uh, we have a senior, uh, uh, what's it called? A senior day. Um, we just had it. She does it every year. Let me think. Say it again. Oh, okay. Adopt That's, a senior. Yeah, adopt a senior. With adopt a senior. Um, that is powerful. But what if it moved back to the beginning of the year instead of the end of the year? You know, the beginning of summer instead of end, and you're with that senior, you know, the oh, whole yeah. time. And so you can check and mentor and check on grades and check on, make sure, you know, you got your college applications done. There's a checklist of things those seniors have to do. Yeah, so those kinds idea. of things. Um, another thing, a shout out, a shout out to uh, Mr. Q or Quentin Samuels. Mm -hmm. He didn't get a lot of airplay, but I wanted to be known that for the first time in I, that I ever remember, the numbers of students who apply for scholarships exponential this year for That's the great. first time ever. Usually you may have 50 kids, 100 kids. I think they had almost 400 kids wow. to get scholarships this That's year. Amazing. That's amazing. It is amazing. And what if on that community day, we set it up where they automatically, like, you know, I think they're required now to apply for the FAFSA. Yes, but you're working with that student to say, here's what you need to do now. Here's where you are here, checking on them, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And, and it's only for the parents who want that, you know, some mm -hmm. may not want it, but for the ones who need that or maybe want that, it should be available. So that's one of the ways I think we can become a stronger community. I know when I was a kid in my neighborhood, we knew everybody. If you got in trouble down the street, the information got back to your parents before you got home. Yes, you know, you got in trouble twice, maybe yes, two or three times, you know, and, and we need to bring that back. Mm -hmm. We've changed a lot, but we, you know, maybe we don't live all in the same neighborhoods, but we certainly can recognize and see and check on the kids in our community to make sure that they're on the right track. So, we might not live in the same neighborhood, but it's still the same families walking the street as exactly. it was 60, 70 years ago. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what I think. That's one of the things that I think we need to do and could do even this year if everybody wanted to work together yeah. and do that. That's the thing, though. I know that that's a great idea, but I've spoken with some of the people who've done that. And it's like, hey, are you doing a shoe drive? You know, they're doing a shoe drive, too. Why don't you just leave? Like, oh, well, I don't like how he do his. I don't like how she do that. And it's like. And that's uh, where that's ego. where our downfall is right there. Mm -hmm. what, what difference do it make? Just come together on the commonalities that you both have shoes. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you want to get the shoes to the kids? Exactly. that's what the bottom line is exactly. you know that's where the bottom line is you both got paper you both got backpacks 
with goal is to get them to the kids. Yeah. Everybody can do shifts, you know. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of big life if I said that I collaborate with only people I like, because some people I collaborate with, I don't care if I just wear that smile, accomplish what we need to get accomplished, that's and we go the, our separate it. ways. That's it. Because we can even agree to disagree, but we mm -hmm. all can agree that we all live in this community and we want the best for the kids. Yes, ma'am. We can all exactly. agree on that. Yes, ma'am. All right. My next question, you know, this is I try to bring a little more political awareness into our community because we need it. Uh, so my next question is kind of political or it is political. Um, so what is your outlooks on politics and how important how important do you believe local politics are? if you do believe it's important? I believe that it is one of the most important things that we can do is to get involved. And one of the ways that everybody over the age of 18 can do is get involved in voting. Yes, ma'am. We saw even in the election how some people uh, narrowly won just say 15, 20 votes. Mm -hmm. 15, 20 people going out to vote makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. If we are not counted, if we don't vote in the local elections, school board elections, mayor elections, our communities will get ignored, mm -hmm. really and truly. When they begin to make decisions on what to do and how to do, we will not be included. So that local politics is important. I know uh, I've gotten a lot of visits from different individuals because they've checked the role and said, oh, I saw you voted. Mm -hmm. Here's my information. Would you consider voting for me? Right? But a lot of times they're not going to come to you if they see that you're not, you're not voting. You haven't voted since 1985. They're not coming to talk to you, you know, but if you, but if you show up, if you vote, um, you know, do some research and vote for the person of your choice. And I talk to people, they say, well, my vote won't make a difference. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. And not only that, if you consider the history for people of color, and what they had to go through in order to gain the right to vote, that just looking at that, like you would have to guess the bean, the number of beans in a jar. You know, you would have to be able to sign your name. And at that time, a lot of people couldn't write, didn't mm -hmm. have literacy. You would have to recite the Declaration of Independence. You know, you would have to do a lot of things that a lot of people that wanted those people to do it couldn't do, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so, and you think about Birmingham and the water hoses and, mm -hmm. you know, the dogs and all that stuff because people wanted their rights and what, and how dare we, how dare we in this generation and time not take advantage of something like that? Amen. You know, so, so yes, I, I uh, again, my passion, <laughs> comes out and I and I'm always constantly did you go vote today you need to go vote go vote you know so yeah. you know I I can't say that I voted every every single time but I'm certainly trying to do that you know I'm certainly trying to ensure 
that I vote in the local elections and, and definitely in the in the state and national elections. Yeah, right now is right here. Yeah, right now we're actually in primary, which is really important. When this uh when this drops on Tuesday, we're gonna still be in primaries. So if you're listening, please find your nearest voting place and go vote. Uh, May 24th is going to be yes. the last day to vote. So you have until while you're listening right now until May 24th to get out and vote. It's very important to vote locally and not even just locally, statewide as well and countywide because, you know, uh, your voice does matter. And if you know, if you can bring one or two people with you, that can do a lot of damage when they go back home and tell other people that they voted and have more people encouraged to vote as well. So let them know that we do vote, we can vote and we will vote. Amen. I have it circled on my calendar, 24 vote. Yes, ma'am. Me too. Vote. That's what and people I'll ask probably, me. Just to make sure I probably do early voting, just to make sure I get my vote in. Just in case anything happens on the 24th, I will have my vote counted. Oh, well, I'll, I'll definitely schedule out everything I can to make sure I go vote on the 24th. I like yeah. going to vote at the Lincoln, like my neighborhood, Lincoln Center, Lincoln Center area. So I like to make sure I vote on Lincoln Center, and usually they're only open on voting day. So right. I usually okay. wait till voting day to go vote. Okay. Well, I know that um, there's some other places that people can do early voting as well in Bryan and College Station. I believe yes, Galilee yes. is one of those places. That's and, a place um, that people need to go because they're trying to take that place away from us. Yes. It's pretty a much our only predominantly black place that we have where we're still allowed to do early voting at. Right. So y'all listening, go vote at Galilee. Yes, please, please. And we have we have excellent uh, people on the ballot. Yes, uh, regardless of your choice, we have some excellent people who are running who are concerned about the city of Bryan. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so I'm I'm not uh, promoting one over the other. Uh, but but definitely make your choice and and go vote. Yeah, I, we do have some great people running. Yes, I we will do. promote one, but I'm gonna I'm let it slide right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do have some excellent people running. I, I will say that 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 are truly uh, dedicated individuals and want to see uh, the best, want yes, to do the best for the city of Bryan. Yes, I just want to say if you go vote, educate yourself before you vote, make a plan. And go out and do it just don't vote blindly right exactly exactly all right well that was my question for that uh thank you for answering all my questions my last question for you is do you have any questions for me i want to i i don't have any questions per se but i do want to thank you for this time i think uh you as a young man it, coming in and working within the community I applaud you. Uh, I'm applauding what you stand up for. Our paths have crossed so many times yes, at different events. And it's just like, hello, how you doing? So this yes, is our first time to kind of sit down and, and talk. And as my friend always says, to chop it up, <laughs> uh, you know, and yeah. so, you know, and I'm just hoping that we can work together and continue to work together uh, for the betterment of this community. So that's one of the things that my hope is. All right. Yes, so. I would love to. Uh, appreciate you for being on here. This is Dr. Donna Drury. This is Black in, Black in My City. Thank y'all for checking us out. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me.